Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I'm very excited to bring you our special guest today, my friend, Dean Ives. Dean Ives is the regional manager of all Fleet Feet Nashville locations. Dean also sits on several advisory boards at St. Jude's Children Research Hospital, where his daughter, Sydney, was a patient. His roles there include bereaved parent educator, bereaved parent mentor, member of the Quality of Life Steering Council, and lead parent facilitator for the Day of Remembrance Family Panel. Dean currently lives in the Nashville area and has been married to his wife, Tasha, for almost 25 years. They have a son, Carson, who is 21, and a daughter, Sydney, who lives in heaven. Dean, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. <laughs> Looking forward to spending some time with you, and that sounds pretty important. I, I, I All those words... <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about your story and even more importantly, our audience to get to hear more about your story because I know you and Tasha have been a great encouragement to Nicole and I over the years. I know that your story is going to encourage a lot of people. So I'm really excited about it. And I know that bio is just scratching the surface of kind of who you are and your story. So can you just start off telling the listeners a little bit more of your backstory? Absolutely. I'll kind of give you the clip notes of it. Grew up in Northern Illinois, up in Rockford, Illinois, and the American dream up there is a lot of manufacturing. Struggled a little bit in school, stuff like that, but um, ended up getting into the manufacturing world after I graduated and never was a big reader or anything like that. And always a hard worker. You know, I just grew up with that farmers in the family and just really didn't know, you know, what am I going to do when I grow up kind of thing. Had some friends that their family was involved in manufacturing and stuff like that. So Again, just kind of got into that field, manufacturing, engineering, you can get very comfortable in that world. And it was a thing that I guess the biggest platform that I've always presented was, and I say to a lot of staff these days is, you know, when you're in a job that you every Monday, you're wishing it's Friday, get out of it. Right. Know, I did that for 28 years. And so just realizing that that's, um, I don't want to say it's a horrible life, but it was not a, a good life. You know, it wasn't definitely the the life that I could have lived and to be living that full life now is definitely a big plus, you know, and seeing the benefits of that. So, so then in May of 2008 is when our life took a big shift. And we found out that my nine-year-old daughter, Sydney was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Then that's when the movie life just hit, you know, and it was one of those things that you, it still feels like a movie, you know, where one day you're just, you know, I've got my, my daughter, my son, we're living the American dream. We're fully in debt, you know, house cars, you know, and just doing that life as we thought was normal. And God had a plan for us. And from there, we got sent to St. Jude, lived there for about three months as she went through treatment. And after that, you know, it was seemed like we were going the right direction. We had gotten the brain tumor to shrink. We were going back and forth. And then November 7th of 2009, she passed away. So we, again, that's very short of it. We did lived a lot of life through that. And Sydney was definitely a lot of the, believe it or not, is probably, well, I can say she's my hero. I mean, she definitely changed her dad and my whole outlook on life and purpose and how God just took a nine, 10, 11 year old girl that just trusted Jesus through everything and 
at lost mobility, you know, with that brain tumor and just seeing how, how can I complain about things when this little girl, you know, has so much to live for, found joy in the midst of it. And so after that, it was just taking a different outlook in life, which has led us to Nashville and things like that. How old, again, I think you just said it, Dean, but how old was Sydney when she was diagnosed with the brain tumor? She was nine. So, so she that was, was in 2008? Yes, that was in May of 2008. And so then, how old would have Carson been then? I'm trying to get the idea of your, your two children's ages at the time. Yeah, he would have been five or six at that time. And that's okay. just a whole nother story of a kid that's just seen him blossom, you know, and how he dealt with grief too. So yeah amazing wow. kid. Wow. I mean, your story, it, it's just, it's, it's, as I said earlier, it's just so been so inspiring to Nicole and I, both you and Tasha, your attitudes, your, your mindset. I mean, even when we were talking a little bit earlier about what your health situation ended up like and all the struggle that you obviously went through during that painful season of your life, it's hard for me even to remember you like that because what I see and what those that are listening to the podcast can't see is a lean, mean, <laughs> running machine that is go. positive, that is always joyful, you know, same with your wife and just always encouraging and inspiring. I mean, for those that don't know, Fleet Feet, how would we describe Fleet Feet? I mean, it's a running store. Is that is that a fair thing yeah, to say? It's, it's a running store. I crazy numbers. I found out that 13% of our customers are runners. The other is pain relief and stuff like that, but it's definitely a store. We reach people that are looking for better health, you know, and pain right. relief and stuff like that. So, right. And you're the regional manager for yes. all the Nashville locations. Yep. You weren't in the Nashville area when in 2008, when this all went down, correct? You were correct. up North. Yeah, we were up in Rockford. Okay. I don't need to ask you how painful it was, but can you share with everyone maybe just a little bit of the struggle and the weight gain and what, what it did to your health and kind of some of the peripheral challenges, I guess you could say that that challenge caused in your life before we get to you overcoming them and obviously not being that person today. Yeah. I know one real pivotal point that is just kind of been that point that I, I always direct people to is like, I remember being up in Wisconsin, we were in Madison, Wisconsin, when she got her biopsy and that diagnosis. And it's just everything, every, I mean, it couldn't get worse. It was just always that we're praying. Okay. Pray that it's not this. It ends up being that pray that it's not going to say it would end up doing that. And it was just like, Oh, come on, Lord. You know, and it was a drive back to Rockford middle of the night. And I remember just going to her bed and still gets me, you know, where I just kneeled down and I'm like, what the heck, God, you know, and it, looking back now, how God got my attention and just seeing people, you have a choice, which direction am I going to go? And at that point I say, I fully trust you, God. And I just asked him at that point, And I truly believe that God honored my prayer of saying, I don't ever want to see my daughter in pain. And a lot of these kids suffer a lot of pain going through their cancer and it's heartbreaking. You know, she had one grand mal seizure. And coincidentally, I was not there, which I believe God removed me from that situation, which I would not have wanted to see her have that seizure. So that was just a pivotal point where I just said, I trust you, God. I grew up in a Christian family, definitely was the troublemaker in our family. You know, my two sisters married pastors, and I was just the one that was just the second child, why kid, you know, that was why, why, why? So God got my attention. And then moving forward, as you were talking into is after she had passed away, 
the blessing and the curse of the church is they want to bless you. And for some reason, it's with casseroles and cheeses and <laughs> all kinds of foods that they feel are going to comfort you. And they didn't do Dean very good because I just kept eating and eating through a period of time. And uh, I was running a little bit at that time. Running was kind of an outlet that I found when I was running in the streets of Memphis. And it was really a pivotal point of listening to some good, uplifting music. And just, I mean, at that time, it just got me through. And I found that running was that outlet. I'd go in the morning, and then I'd take Sydney to our appointments. So running was part of that. So I was still running and got up to, like I said, like 285. And I said, ah, I'm not going to be 300 pounds. And I'm still doing 5Ks and just, you know, don't get in Dean's way. I'm a big boy. <laughs> So for perspective, what's your height, Dean, when you got up to 285? I'm about six foot. So about six foot. Okay. Yeah. I was finding myself getting on all the cholesterol medicines, the blood, high blood pressure. And I think it's just a point. I think it was January of 2015 that I just was like, my little girl would not want to see her dad like this. And I, it was just the point that I got into a program that just was like, like I made that shift and uh, was able to lose a hundred pounds through the year. And, uh, that was the start of it. It was just kind of that point where God opened the door for us to move down here to Nashville, got some family in the music industry, fleet feet and running, being a manager of a store was not on the radar. So it's definitely, you lean into God. He knows your heart's desire and he knows your passions for sure. And what a blessing. Absolutely. When you think back on those years following that November 7th, I think you said 2009 date, a lot of pain. I'm sure, you know, a lot of struggle and all that. Would you ever in those moments have thought that you would be as healthy as you are today? And I'm sure you don't have, you're not pain-free days. There aren't <laughs> no, pain-free no, days no. and pain-free memories. I, I, I'm not thinking that, that that's your reality, but would you have ever thought in the struggle, in the midst of the fire that you would be, you all, your family would be doing as well as you are today here in the beginning of 2023? No, not at all. I mean, this is definitely... I mean, a huge blessing. And then my wife, she has so many gifts and I know God's got some great things ahead for her as she also is just found a good way to maneuver through grief. And we do a lot, like you were saying earlier with the stuff we do at St. Jude. So absolutely. I mean, seeing my son thrive in the music industry, just every day I wake up and I'm like, is this real? You know, just to be working for a lady in this community that tells me to be Dean for my job, you know, and it's what a beautiful thing. What would you say, Dean, has been one of the keys to your success? There's a lot of people that go through a lot of hard things in life. Not everybody is out there succeeding in their health and their marriage and their occupations. Definitely consistency. I think that's been a key. Little things, I've always been pretty good Like at once I set my mind to it. And again, like I was saying earlier, I was never a big reader. Love the whole podcast industry and just getting on there and listening to different ones that just encourage you, give you a little ditties for the day and, and stuff like that. I mean, to pinpoint just one thing, it would probably be when the owner of the Fleet Feeds that I work for, she basically said, what's wrong with you, Dean? Where's your confidence in who you are? And I always said no to management. I mean, my whole life, even in manufacturing, I just was like, nope, nope. I just clock in, clock out, go home. And so I really believe that just that self-confidence and not overthinking, you know, that was another big piece. And just watching people like yourself, you know, you watch and see what God's doing in, the, in your success. And, and it's not 
crazy. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Do the right thing, you know, and my whole journey, just the common sense, I just realized that the thing I used to joke about the most of like, I didn't win races. I wasn't very, I'm competitive, but it wasn't really that competitive drive. You know, it was more, I was a cheerleader and I really thrive on people succeeding. I'm that person that's like, what do you want to do next? You want to do a full marathon? You want to do a triathlon? You know, I mean, let's do this. Let me know how you're doing. So I think I just owned it. I think that's the key to my success was like, I found who I was and that's just been the balance in my life. I just never owned it. And this is where God had me. So it was just like, accept the fact that, you know, you're not going to maybe qualify for Boston, but you know, I go, I'm okay with that. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. let pe other people do that and I'll cheer them on. I'm very, I guess, content and can still live my purpose. I love it. So I'm, I'm what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, being content and comfortable with being you as yeah. you were encouraged to be a few years ago by your your boss, the owner of your yeah. company, and just walking in that and in confidence in that. I love it. I mean, that's a yeah. message we all need to hear more of, I think, because there's a lot of things pulling at us to be tempted to be someone else that we're not, you know, or feel like we're not good enough to just walk in confidence and whatever it is that, you know, God's calling us to do. So I, I love that message and that encouragement. Thank you. What year was it that you actually made some changes and lost a hundred pounds in a year and, and really took back control of your health is what it sounds to me like. What year was that? That was 2015. 2015. And was there an aha moment at any point in time in there that it was just like, Hey, this is six years after the fact, what was it? Or was there something you can point to kind of looking back? That was the thing that helped you decide I'm going to, I'm going to make some changes. It was the end of the year in 2014. We had a pastor and I ended up approaching him. He's like, oh, I found this program I'm on. I sat down with him early December of 2014. And I was like, I had tried everything. You know, it was just, I, you know, you name a program. I was, you know, and it was just, I liked to lift weights. I was always like, you know, I don't sit around. I was always keeping, but I was strong as an ox, but I was not healthy. You know, I just kind of got to that place. And like I said before, my name was Big Dean. I mean, people called me Big Dean. I had the Harley. I had the, you know, and I just, I owned it. But inside, I just, I knew I wasn't healthy. And I think that was the January. I didn't think it was possible, but I'm like, I'm a rule follower. So I'm like, all right, I'll follow this thing to the T. And I really believe like anything you can, you do it and you follow it. It's going to work. You just got to stay consistent. Again, that's that word. I just was like consistent, stay with it. And I literally, I think by March, I had lost 60 pounds and it was just changing my diet, you know, and stopped putting so much stuff in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The so. simple things that are often so difficult yes. um, for so many. How, how do you view the challenge now, the challenges in that whole season of your life? I mean, obviously a painful time in your life. How do you view it? I mean, is it something that you wish you could have avoided altogether or are you glad you went through it or do you feel some other way about it? I think it's, there's a lot of things with this because I, I know even Tasha and I say, we don't know if we'd still be married if it wasn't for the loss of Sydney. Uh, we definitely had some struggles in our marriage, totally opposite personalities. Learning through that, I think I wouldn't change it. I think it's definitely, absolutely, would I love to hug my little girl and bring her back for a day, but it's like, it's just selfish, you know? And then I just go and I'm like, I got to look forward to heaven. You know, I just, that's going to be a beautiful day to see Jesus and Sydney. And there's so many things I've learned. I mean, I could talk like a 
all day. I mean, there's so many different avenues with St. Jude, with people, with Fleet you know, just different avenues where so much growth and it, the growth doesn't stop. I mean, we just are constantly, I'm on a leadership team that just continues to throw challenges at me that, I mean, I'm always looking back going, wow, I would not have done this before. Right. So, and I mean, wouldn't you say it's given you a greater platform? I mean, I, I know it has, <laughs> I can see that it has, but oh, yeah. how, how much of a greater platform, maybe that's a better question. How much of a greater platform how many people have you, and you don't, you, you don't even know the answer, but how many people have you encouraged that you know about that you've been able to have conversations with as a result of this pain that you've been through that you have overcome because you are living a successful life. You are in a happy marriage. You are healthy. You are successful on so many levels. We can't have a platform that we, when we haven't been through something really difficult, right. To encourage others that are also going through difficult things. And I know you, you and Tasha both are so about that and giving back in that way. Wouldn't you say it's really given you a a much greater platform to make an impact in people's lives? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's definitely my father-in-law. He's a Southern or retired, which I guess they don't really retire as pastors, but he uh, actually just moved down here himself, a Southern Baptist minister. But he he mentioned, we'll never know the impact of that little girl and what she's done and how many lives have been changed. And, you know, he was a pastor for 40 plus years. And it's like, I know that that little girl in her short, purposeful life had reached so many more people than I can ever imagine because it's... I mean, there's a video of her, I forget what Tasha called it, it's well, her funeral. And I think there's been a million views on that. So, and wow. it's, we just, we chose to share Jesus and our hope. And that's what Sydney wanted us to do. And it's a beautiful, horrible day, but it's also like you said, I, who knows how many people, you know, I just pray that person, cause you hear about this, I mean, just a thorn that hits me every time I hear of all these great people committing suicide. And it just breaks my heart. Them great people that you would never guess. And I don't get it. And it's just to me, I'm like, man, Lord, just help them click on something, you know, whether it's a podcast like this or Sydney's funeral, you know, that might just make that shift and realize that they have a purpose in their life and they can be, make a difference. Everybody is beautiful outside, inside. You just got to find that purpose in yourself. Absolutely. I've got a cousin, Shanna, who recently lost a daughter, a 20-year-old daughter, I believe, Mm -hmm. maybe three months ago, four months ago. Now I'm not sure. But like you, even just me and Nicole getting to see her attitude going through the storm, you know, and seeing her reach out and encourage us in one of our challenges recently, it's like, wow, you know, she, she'll never know the impact that she's even had on our life. And we haven't lost a child. So I, I just, I just know you have impacted so many lives and we'll continue to for hopefully many decades to come. And it excites me. And this whole thing, the more and more I think about and see how God's using my challenges and your challenges and others' challenges that's kind of the heart behind this podcast and why I'm so excited and so grateful for people like you and others that are willing to come on here and be authentic and be real and share some of the challenges and some of the wisdom that you've learned through it. I just love knowing this is encouraging so many people in this way. And like you said, it's something that people are clicking on and listening to and being encouraged. And speaking of advice, if you could go back in time and you could tell your younger self, a piece of advice, 
knowing now what you know and knowing what was ahead of you that you couldn't have known when you were 30 or 20 or 35 or whatever, going back more than before 2008 anyway, what advice would you give your younger self? I know for sure, because I use this a lot, don't get stuck. Don't let money make it so you're stuck in a situation. And it's just that real piece. I know it's very cliche to say, let go, let God when you're trying to pay your bills. But there's so many, like 28 years, like I said, of being in an industry of just not enjoying life. And it was, I think I would go back and go, man, step out of the nest. You're getting a little too comfortable. And I remember telling people that, you know, five, 10 years in, I've got to get out of this. I got to go. I got to do this. And I was a big, I always tell people I'm a big talker and just pulling the trigger. Dean did not do that. So I was always this, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this, but you just get comfortable. I'm like, just shake it up. Just get yourself uncomfortable. You're going to be okay. We know who we trust in and who takes care of us ultimately. And I, I just, I know I'd go back and I just shake me up a little bit. If I could have started it a little sooner. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Are you saying if you had it to do over again or, or, or do things a little differently, you would have stepped outside your comfort zone a little sooner? Is that what was holding you back? Do you think, was it just the desire for comfort and the fear of kind of the unknown of stepping outside of it? Or was it something else? Yeah, I think it was always that fear. And it was definitely like careers that opened up two or three times and I just would not go. And I would just, right. I would talk it up and I just would never take that next step. It was just a bigger leap than I thought. And I just look at, I mean, obviously God directed different paths through my journey, but I do feel like there's probably paths that I, ones that I'm very thankful I didn't take for sure. I mean, I uh, got my dive master and I was going to go live on an island down in the Caribbean and take people scuba diving. I don't know what I would have been doing with that, but maybe it would have been a, I don't know. It might've been a big party life for Dean that I might've regretted, but who knows, but it's always those things, no regrets. But again, yeah. those things that I was like, why did I not take the next step and just trust God and know that he had me? Yeah. What would be one piece of advice you'd give to somebody else in the middle of their storm right now, whether it's a storm with a child or any other for that matter? What advice would you give to them listening to this show? I know this. I deal a lot with the people that are wanting to know how to address us. And I always say, listen, listen to these people. And a lot of it is processing. I just needed to process sometimes and just, you know, we tell other dads, you know, some days suck, you know, that's our big thing. It just sucks today, but we get through. And so I think it's just don't let, let yourself go down that bad path. I mean, it just happened to me the other morning. I just was like laying in bed and I just reached over and grabbed Tasha's hand. And I'm just like, my mind just take me to those last moments when she took her last breath, but it's okay. You know, and it, I just, it's a beautiful moment, but a horrible moment. And so I think, I mean, it's not really profound or anything, but it's just, don't let yourself wallow in that and let yourself, you just got to get up and move and go. I always say what you're wanting is probably something that you're needing to give. If you're needing love, go love on somebody. And it's amazing oh, how that, good. that just counteractive thought kind of kicks in because it's like, yeah, oh, nobody's doing this for me. Well, go do it for somebody and watch how it works. You know, it just. That's incredible advice, Dean. That is incredible <laughs> advice in the middle of pain. It's also incredible advice for marriage. It's incredible advice for any relationship. I love that. And, mm -hmm. and I also love, you kind of mentioned a twist on my question, which I want to go back to because I know personally, I always feel really 
awkward a little awkward. I think that's the word a little unconfident. Maybe that's a better word on how to help somebody, how to best interact with somebody that's going through some major grief, major challenge. You know, maybe they just lost a loved one or whatever the case may be. So in that context, you kind of touched on it, but I just want to go back to it. What is your best advice for us to be a good friend to somebody who is in the midst of the storm? Maybe it is losing a loved one and it might apply to other storms too, but let's even talk about that. If you could, what's your best advice for us? Yeah. It, again, I don't want to get too squirreling from it too much, but we did the day of remembrance in St. Jude. I'm, every year we, we meet with different parents and grandparents and we talk through it that have lost children. And so that's probably the number one piece that we talk about unintentionally how people can just be pretty mean sometimes, even family that just shouldn't you be getting over it and this and then comparing, you know, the loss of a pet to your child and stuff like that. We talk through a lot of this stuff like that, which I just have always just validated it. I mean, I've lost a pet. It hurts, you know, but there's no comparison. I mean, obviously it's just a different, you know, losing parents, losing loss is loss and it's grief. And so I have learned in retail, like people that come in, like one story, a lady, she lost a son when he was 16 in a car accident. He would be my age now. And she comes in, I asked what his name was. And I just said, Hey, tell me a story about him. And she just lit up. I could tell her husband what didn't want to go there, but she comes in every once in a while and she just wants a hug. And it's just, again, I think it's just that piece where you just, what parent would want to say their name? I mean, I love saying the name Sydney and if anybody said, tell me a story about Sydney, I'm going to tell you a story about Sydney. I mean, she's a beautiful kid and I've got a story. So I think that probably the number one thing, you know, sometimes silence is awkward, but you know, you just, sometimes it's okay to be silent and then just, you know, Hey, just thinking about whoever today, Hey man, I was thinking about your, your child today, you know, and heart hurts for you. I don't have the perfect answer, Alan. I know it's just, my world is kind of, gone into that direction with grief. I see, I hear a lot of it. And we unfortunately hear of a lot of these kids that have cancer and it just breaks my heart. I don't know if there'll ever be a perfect formula. So yeah, no, I'm sure there's not, but you've been through it. So I, I, I think you're a qualified person to answer that question. <laughs> and I like what you shared. In fact, I shared on episode one that I've lost a brother to suicide. I've lost a sister to suicide. Both of them were my mother's children. And I see her now, you know, one was in 2015, I believe, and the other was in 2018. And I see her now, I guess, four years later, or five almost, enjoying the memories and even sharing them with me of an old video or a this or a that of my brother or my sister and, you know, a good memory. And, and she wants to talk about it and puts a smile on her face. So it makes sense what you're saying. And I don't want to belabor this point, but before we, we move on and start wrapping this up, what about immediately following? I mean, this is something I really want to know. I mean, those first few days, those first few weeks, any advice that you would have for um, someone to be a good friend, a good family member, a good support? I know for myself, and it's definitely like Tosh and I grieve differently, but what meant a lot to me is like going back to work and I just felt like I was just stared at, like everybody just looked at me. And odd enough is I remember one of the guys I work with, he just came up and side hugged me and walked out. I was like, he's a very non touchy feely manufacturing guy. And it just was like, that had to have been tough for him. Right. <laughs> so 
I, you know, it's a, I hear lots of feedback of like, don't, you know, go up and put your hand on me or different things. And I know this is going to make it tougher on people to know how to deal with us. But even directly after it, I just think it's just that piece that's just so hard to know. As a good friend, I think the main thing I hear from a lot of them is don't be distant. Because a lot of, they talk a lot of, a lot of people that just disappear out of their lives, you know, because they don't know how to do it. I just am always like, I'll call out the pink elephant in the room and just go, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my heart just hurts for you. And, you know, I let them tell them what, to, I mean, it's like a nuclear bomb goes off, you know, and you just, you don't know what you're feeling. It's just, I'm, it's, you're numb. And so I think just knowing that they're there and just, if that makes sense. I it guess. makes perfect sense to me. I love that. I like that. Just saying, I don't even have the right words to say. I just want you to know I care. And as essence is what I think I heard you say. So I really appreciate you you sharing that with us. Yeah. Do you have a favorite success quote that might come to mind? I mean, we've got a lot of little things that Sydney had said and things like that. Do you have a favorite Sydney quote? I mean, they did a recording one time of her. They were just asking her and she just said, you just get up in the morning and just trust God. You know, and she, she had added her little thing, eat my, my, my cereal. And I just go through her day. And she had this thing, she uh, had lost her right side mobility. So it was hard for her to lift up her thumb, but she would always just go up like this and just go bing, bing. And that was just kind of our, our thing. Yeah. Bing, bing. And so that's kind of a lot of, I mean, family, you know, that gets it running a half marathon or something. I'll get the thumb, two thumbs up and it's just a little Sydney wink, you know, things like that. I don't know. I think we've just got a lot of different things that we do. I had numbers tattooed on my hand, 4,112. And people ask me what that is. And I said, that's the number of days my daughter was on earth. And I make every day matter because God had her with us for 4,112 days. Little things like that, I guess, more than quotes. I think it's just, that's the reminder to live every day with that purpose. I love it. And gratitude too. I mean, that's 4,112 days you got with her yes. that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. Yep. And, yep. I, and I love that. It's just the difference between seeing the, what we have to be grateful for versus what we don't have. Right. And uh, exactly. that's a huge tip there too. What would you say is one habit that has helped you be successful in life? I guess it's a, the mind shift has been my big thing. And I realized, well, I'll say like one thing I did, I remember going to my team that I worked with and I said, Hey, I'm going to get raw. I'm starting the new year. I just don't want to be in a toxic environment. Long story short of it, I found out that I was kind of the toxic person <laughs> and coming in on Mondays and I mean, it was great to get feedback and just be vulnerable and them saying, yeah, sometimes you just come in and you're complaining about being back at work and, you know, you're not really very positive. And I like, I guess it was just that moment that you just were like, okay, wow. You don't realize like I was the one spreading the disease. So I just made a shift and realized again, I think it was a lot of that 2015 of just lose the weight, you know, and lose the attitudes, the anxieties, get off medications that I didn't need to be on. And so I think it was just, I know I keep saying that consistency, but it's just, I really have driven myself to be, get up in the morning. And I find from podcasts and listening to different great things and, you know, fill your day with good people that there's so many great things going on out there and news can give you so much negative. So I stay away from news, you know, 
it's just finding that balance. I mean, I'm not totally blind to it, but I also have just choose, choose the good. There's a lot of great people out there, books, different things that can just change your whole outlook. Lean into it. Yeah. I love it. So choosing positivity, filling your head and your mind with positivity, making a choice to be positive and cutting out and eliminating as much as the negative as you can. That's huge too. In fact, that's one of the things I talked about on last week's episode and just the importance of, I actually had shared the same thing. (laughs) Dean, believe it or not, I (laughs) stopped watching the news a long time ago and for the very same reasons you just mentioned. So I get my news other places, other people, and I, I, I tend to hear it without having to watch it. What you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Advice. I would, uh, you know, definitely, I know like the advice I got from our owner, Christy Beth, telling me to be me and own it and be confident. And I've just seen where it has developed me to where I am now. You know, I think that's just a real stake in the ground thing for me where I just was like, all right, I'm going to go into management. I don't have schooling in this. I don't have a background in this. I She believed in me. And so I think that is just that piece that I just seem to help me build that in me and just to continue to be like, okay, well, you did a great job managing this one store. How about managing three? No, <laughs> kind of that reset again, and then putting the stake in the ground and just going, wow, yeah, just to be living that purposeful, let's just go. I mean, let's just do this. And, you know, so it's exciting. I love it. Not letting fear hold you back, being you, walking in that. How fun, yeah. how fun. I love it. Is there a book that you'd recommend to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? Well, we're actually going through a book traction right now, EOS. And it's just, I mean, that's been probably the last two, three, what's this? Gino Whitman, I think is the author of that. I think it's been out for a while. It's just something that just gets you dialing in and getting traction, obviously. And I start every day with Jesus calling. You know, I'm like I said, I'm a pretty simple guy and I, I am a routine creator. So I have my routines, but that's just another one of just filling my mind with good. Right. And, and that's the cons- the topic of consistency keeps coming up with you, which I love. It's a key to success in anything, being yeah. consistent. I, I love mm-hmm. that you brought that out. What would you say is excite you about the future? I'm really excited. We're finally building a home. Excited about that. Yeah, I think I'm just as that cheerleader in me, I'm excited for my son and he's really touring a lot with great artist Jason Crabb. It's excited to see him doing that. But more than anything, just the timeline with my wife, I think she's just really been leaning into God and just I know she's written a book and it just hasn't been the right time yet. And it's just it's a beautiful piece. She's a great communicator. And she's got some great words. And I really feel like this is going to be a real pivotal year for her. So I think not that I'm stepping back. I've got my own goals with like Fleet Beat and just a lot of those personal goals. But I think I'm just more excited about seeing what God has for Tasha. And I know her heart with Sydney and a mom's heart. And she just, I know, can help so many people with that. For sure. And that's the cheerleader in you again, <laughs> Absolutely, which is, which is not why it's no surprise to me. You're really crushing your job as the regional manager of Fleet Feet and doing such a great job and why the owner wanted you in that position, because I can see that in you, Dean. And that's a huge gift and a huge asset to everyone around you, including all of us. So I love seeing that. How can people contact you or follow along on your journey if they want to connect with you, Dean? I'm not a big social media guy. I, I, I'm on Instagram, Dean Ives. You can find me on there. So I probably will spend 2023 trying to 
live out loud a little bit more. But I, another piece that I learned about myself is I'm a people person. I am more about that community. I have a lot of running groups. I get out in front of people. I just have to remember the audiences are everywhere now in this right. age we're living in. So, yeah. So Instagram's the best. Dean Ives, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to up your Instagram game in 2023. It sounds like, yeah, <laughs> is yep, that yeah. a goal? <laughs> That's a goal for sure. For sure. Well, you've got a lot to share. So I hope you do any closing comment that you might want to share with our listeners before we wrap it up. I just, again, here goes the cheerleader in me, but you know, watching you and your family and living out loud, I think that as, as Christians, as we see, you know, this world and it just, you can make it really ugly or you can make it really beautiful. And you guys, Alan, and your family, and it just, again, that window that we have for people to peek in and see our lives and the beauty of it and just seeing your beautiful home. And just, I feel like I'm part of that journey as you guys were building that and putting in different things. And it's just awesome to see people. It's a good reminder as we iron sharpens iron and as men of God and these different things. So I always say great days ahead. I kind of, and that's my ending text with people, emails. I'm like, great days ahead, you know, because we there are great days ahead in the midst of so many different storms and things going on in life. Lots of hurt, but the sun's still shining. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I think that's a great, very excited about the days ahead in 2023 and beyond. And you are somebody that has encouraged a lot of people long before being interviewed on this podcast. And I know your story will encourage many, many more. So Dean, thank you so much for taking time out of the middle of your day to come on here and share with the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience. It's been fun getting to interview you. In true Chick-fil-A fashion, I'll say my pleasure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. Oh, you're welcome. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com spelled A-double-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.